we are continuing in the book of Proverbs, uh, Search for Wisdom. And uh, this morning, uh, the title of the message is On the Ropes. By the way, thank you, Tom, for preaching last week. I heard good things, so uh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, On the Ropes, Proverbs 23, 18. Uh, let's read that. It's, it's hard to know when you're preaching from Proverbs if you can choose just one verse or one passage, but this is a great verse. Um, it says, surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. So, uh, on the ropes. This morning, let me ask, what is hope? And uh, there's a saying by Alexander Pope. He wrote an art or a uh, an essay on the, the title of, or the uh, subject of man, mankind. And you've probably heard the first part of it. It says, hope springs eternal in the human breast. How many of you have heard that? Okay. But it goes on, and this is interesting. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. Man never is, but always to be blessed. So he's saying hope and in this life, it doesn't seem like we're blessed, but we're always talking about being blessed in the future. It goes on and says, The soul, uneasy and confined from home. In other words, the soul that's in us, it, it's not at rest, and it feels like it's not home. And then he goes on and uses a big word here. He says, rests and expatiates, which means wanders freely. I had to look that up. Uh, the soul rests and wanders freely in a life to come. So now let me read it together and you'll understand it. Um, hope springs eternal in the human breast. Man never is, but always to be blessed. The soul uneasy and confined from home rests and expatiates, wanders freely in a life to come. So I want to talk about Christians and our hope. And is it for now? Is it only for the future? Is it real? Uh, you know, and, and Proverbs is a, a good foundation for that this morning. So why did I na- uh, call it On the Ropes? On the Ropes describes a boxer, a fighter, that's, uh, uh, he's been weakened, he's tired, and he leans against the ropes, and, and he's uh, hoping that the ropes are going to absorb some of the punishment that he's getting. So... Uh, uh, sometimes I think that's how we feel in life. <laughs> the blows keep coming, and, and we're literally on the ropes, and, and what does that do uh, to our, our hope? Well, Muhammad Ali, how many of you have heard of Muhammad Ali? Okay, well, he took this uh, on the ropes to a, a different level, a new level, and he developed a strategy called rope-a-dope. Tom gets it. So, uh, rope-a-dope. He was fighting George Foreman. Uh, George Foreman was one big, mean fighter. Uh, he's now a Christian, and you've probably heard of him uh, in a number of er- arenas. But George uh, was fighting him in what they called the Rumble in the Jungle in Zaire, Africa, 1974. Uh, a lot of you weren't even alive then. So, uh, Well, here's the definition of the rope-a-dope. The fighter, you know, he assumes a protected stance. So if you're a boxer, and I used to box a little bit, so when you're a protected stance, you're going to have your hands in front of your face and your elbows in because they're going to be swinging at your head and swinging at your midsection, and you're in a crouch. So Muhammad Ali decided he would do what he called the rope-a-dope. 
he would uh, assume that position, that protected stance, and he would stay up against the ropes through most of the fight. And he was hoping that his opponent would punch himself out. He'd get so tired that he'd start making mistakes. Well, Muhammad Ali, by the way, got his jaw broken in that fight, but he won with that strategy. Um, and you know what? I think sometimes that's what we do. We kind of give up. We, we take a defensive position, and we lean against the ropes, and we just hope, we wish that everything was going to be all right. And you know what? That's not really hope in the Christian sense. It's the world's definition of hope. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Did you get that? It's a feeling. And, and the Christian hope isn't just a feeling. So what is real hope? Uh, let's look at the Proverbs and, and see what the book of Proverbs has to say about hope. Uh, the first thing I want to say, uh, first kind of hope I want to talk about is a hope that is, is tragic. I'll try and go slow enough so that you can actually read the verses along with me. Uh, so this first uh, verse is in Proverbs 11:7, 7. And, and here's what it says there as you're turning there. Proverbs 11 and 7. It says that when the wicked and the unjust die, their hope perishes with them. How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hand, have had a loved one that died and you weren't sure of their salvation? That's tragedy. That's a tragic uh, loss. Uh, it's their hope that they had in life perishes with them. Kathy and I have experienced this in her family, and uh, it's, it's an awful feeling to know that or to assume that somebody has died without Christ. I think, and this is just my little thing, this doesn't come from the Scripture, but I think God gives most people just a glimmer of hope that somehow that person turned to Christ before they died. That was our prayer in the situation in our family that I was talking about. We knew the person had heard the gospel uh, and heard about Jesus Christ, and our hope was that he turned to the Lord uh, before he died. But that's a tragic hope that perishes with those uh, that are considered wicked and, and unjust. In other words, they've never turned to the Lord. And the second thing under hope that is tragic is when courage dies. Uh, Proverbs 18 and verse 14, if you want to turn there. Uh, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. In another version, it says, when courage dies because of a crushed spirit, what hope is left? That's tragic. Some of us have experienced a crushed spirit in our lives. Uh, I won't go into my whole testimony, but uh, my father and I struggled, and um, I left home when I, before I finished high school. In fact, uh, when I was in Virginia this week, my sister gave me a box of things to carry home that my mom had saved. And my mom had saved the note that I wrote 
uh, to them as I was leaving the home while they were taking a nap. And it, it really hit me hard. Uh, but when I think about it, my grandma and my aunt, who uh, were watching me grow up, the thing that they said was they were glad, in a sense, that I had left home because they knew that my spirit hadn't been crushed. And uh, I think about all the young people in this world, and you teachers that are in schools and, and work with children and, and other venues, how many crushed spirits are there out in this world? They're, they're everywhere. And not just with, with young children, but in our prisons and, and all kinds of places, I see people with crushed spirits that were crushed by words or actions or, or some loss in life. And that's tragic. Uh, and it says that when courage dies because of a crushed spirit, what hope is left? Uh, that's tragic. That's hopeless. And the third thing under hope that is tragic or hopeless is in Proverbs 28 and verse 3. By the way, uh, towards the end of this sermon, I'm going to be calling on a couple of you specifically to talk about hope so, uh, uh, and where you might have seen it somewhere. So beware, you never know who that could be. Uh, you may want to don't listen to the message and then we'll trust that the Lord will give you something to say. So uh, 28.3 says, A poor man who oppresses the poor is a beating rain that leaves no food. In another version, it talks about when a man is oppressed, it is like an unexpected flood sweeping away their last hope. So a person that is oppressed, uh, that's had things taken away from them, a person that uh, is uh, uh, depressed in a certain way and oppressed, and, and then somebody that he's counting on doesn't come through it's like an unexpected flood sweeping away their last hope. And I, and I thought of uh, what's going on in Syria and Iraq. The Christians in Syria and Iraq, uh, from what I read and wonder, oh, from what I understand, have counted on those Christians, that would be us in the West, to take a stand, to stand up and pressure our government and to pray for them uh, so that their lives could be saved. And frankly, they were disappointed in us to begin with because nothing had happened. And, and so uh, to think about that, if you're depending on a group of Christians to support you and they don't come through, that, that's hopeless. That's tragedy. That's tragic. So we, we need to recognize that <laughs> we as Christians are to bring hope to other people and that sometimes we're someone's last hope. And if they're counting on us and we don't come through, that's tragic. So uh, the first hope that we looked at is hope that is tragic. Uh, I want us to talk for a minute about hope that is transitory. Transitory means what? It's, it's like a vapor. It's like the fog that was here this morning. Uh, hopefully by the time we leave church, it's all burned off. That's transitory. It's, it's here and then it's gone. So sometimes hope is transitory, and what I would call this kind of hope is a misplaced hope. Um, Proverbs eleven twenty three. if you want to turn there, uh, says whoever, I'm sorry, the desire of the righteous 
ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. Uh, another version says that the hope of the wicked, and this, listen to this, the hope of the wicked is in their own transgression. Can you imagine that your hope was placed in your own sin, in your own transgression? Uh, think about that. I had to think about this when I was, uh, was uh, thinking about this message. But I know that at times, even in my own life and perhaps in the lives of others that I've known, that their hope was in the wrong things that they were doing, in their own transgression. Uh, that's a misplaced hope. That's transitory. It's, it's going to come and it's going to go. Uh, suppose you were hanging around with a group of thieves. <laughs> and uh, you may laugh, but that happens to people. Uh, in fact, uh, a man last night was talking about that in his life. And uh, that's, his hope was in what they could steal and what they could do that was wrong. And that's, that's wrong. That's transgression. It's, it's uh, transitory. It'll be, you may for a while succeed at something like that, but then it's gone like a vapor. So the hope of the wicked is in their own transgression. Uh, sometimes it's injustice, taking advantage of others uh, with oppression and uh, cheating and persecution. And, and, you know, you think even in a government sometimes, if you think of some of the governments in our own in some ways, uh, we do things that are wrong and we place hope in those things. Uh, that's transitory. That's misplaced hope. The second thing under here that's uh, misplaced hope is the hope of the wise. Turn to Proverbs 26, 12. It's not really talking about wise people. It's talking about people that are wise in their own eyes. Uh, Proverbs 26 and verse 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Huh. So... Uh, here's a transitory hope, a misplaced hope. It's people that have hope in their own wisdom and in, in their own eyes they're wise. That's utterly foolish and misplaced. Uh, and some of us, maybe all of us, struggle with that to a certain extent, thinking, well, you know, I know better than that person or I know more than that person or I'm wiser than that person. Uh, that's kind of a pride. That's a misplaced hope. Uh, what does Proverbs primarily say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we need to put our hope in the, in the right place. Um, many people and even some of my relatives say there is no God. What does that say? Where is their hope? Their hope is in themselves when they say there is no God because there is nowhere else they can turn. Uh, so that's utterly foolish and it's misplaced hope and people that trust in their own knowledge, <laughs> uh, that, that's foolishness, that's transitory. And the third thing under there, and this one uh, is from Proverbs 29 and verse 20. It says, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? <laughs> there is more hope for a fool than for him. Okay, I've had to think about them. I can be hasty in my words. Uh, is there any of you that maybe struggle with hasty words? Uh-huh, okay. Uh, God's word says that, <laughs> says it pretty clearly there. Uh, if it says uh, the hope of the, the, the wordy, hasty with the mouth, is utterly foolish and misplaced. 
Uh, people that have an answer for everything. Uh, people that, uh, Kathy, can I say this, that finish other people's sentences before they finish their own. <laughs> uh, that's a bad habit of mine. And uh, uh, sometimes I think I, I'm placing my, my own hope in my own wisdom. And that's, that's wrong. Uh, so <laughs> it says there's more uh, hope for a fool uh, than a person that has hasty words. Uh, sometimes and many times it's better to be still and to listen. Be still and know that there is a God. Uh, in this world that we live in, people are really afraid of the idea of stillness, uh, quietness. And so uh, let's not be hasty with our words. Now I want us to move to hope that is temporal. Temporal means it's here on earth in this life. So, you know, there's a, we lived in the South for I don't know how many years, three and a half years or something like that. And in the South, when we sing old hymns, almost every one of them is talking about uh, when we get to glory, uh, when we cross the river. Uh, and, and, and it seems like the Christian life for some people, and I call it kind of a churchianity, is that someday I'm going to be with God and someday everything's going to be okay. Well, I think there's hope for this life for Christians. And that's what I'm talking about in the temporal part. So let's look at that a little bit. Um, Proverbs 10 and verse 28. In Proverbs 10 and verse 28, it says, The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. So we have hope in this life that brings joy. <laughs> uh, there's great joy that comes from hope. There's a song, a Gaither song, How Sweet It Is to Hold a Newborn Baby and Feel the Pride and Joy He Brings. That's a great song. I love it anyway. And, and so that's hope. Uh, when you have a child, doesn't that bring hope into your life? It, it does. I mean, when you hold a little tiny baby, I'll never forget when I was holding my son, had no idea what it meant, but I was standing outside a drugstore. Kathy was in getting something. We were taking him home from the hospital, and people were coming by, and I was like, oh, my goodness. This is amazing. This little baby, this, he's alive, and he's in my arms, and... I had no idea what the future held. But it's, it's hope when you, when you have a child. And it says that God blesses the righteous with many things. So there's hope for, for the here and now, and, and we need to be aware of that. Uh, there's joy for the here and now. I talked about the box that my sister sent with me, and, and in that box, uh, all these pictures and things from my life and our life together, Kathy and mine, a uh, box of memories, but through that life there's been great hope and great joy. So God blesses us in the here and now as Christians, and let's not forget that. Um, in Proverbs 24 and verse 14, it says, Know that wisdom is such to your soul, if you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. So the hope that we have, it brings a future. And again, I want to say people keep thinking, well, that must be in eternity. But no, I think it's in this life as well. It says if you find wisdom for your soul, there will be a future and your hope won't be cut off. 
So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and, and hope for your future uh, here on earth, your, your future life here on earth. And, and we need to teach that to our children. I think so many times we as Christians are gloom and doom. Now, I may get in trouble, but a lot of people that I know my age sit and listen to conservative radio or TV all day long. And, and maybe liberal would be the same way, so I don't want to make a distinction here. But a lot of these people, they talk about how awful everything is going to be and, and what a mess we're in and on and on and on. We as Christians and parents, we need to give hope to our children. We need to see what God is doing and see God's hand in life. And we want to, to bring hope and joy and tell, tell them that the Lord God is with us now, the here and now. Uh, the, the passages you were reading, I am with you, the Lord said. Be courageous, be strong, for I am with you. Uh, I'll never, never leave you. I'll never, never forsake you. That's for now. And our children need to hear that from us as parents. And we need to think about it for ourselves. We have God's blessings now, and I'm always encouraging us to look for the hand of God in the here and now. And there's hope for our children. Children, you're not going to like this one, children, when I read it, but I want you to hear it. Okay, dads and moms, you're going to love this. So, um, Proverbs 19, 18. Here's what it says. Discipline your son or daughter, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. What a contrast when you think about that. <laughs> and it's true. One of the things that is really lacking in society, in America, in a lot of families, and even some Christian families, is the idea of discipline. So, parents, when you discipline your children, that brings hope. Because then that child will learn how to work, how to respect, how to live uh, for the Lord, to, to look to the Lord. That's what discipline brings in a life. And, you know, the, the prisons that we go into, and a lot of the men that I talk to, not all of them, but one of the things lacking in their life was discipline. And they'll tell me that. They say, I never had a father that taught me how to fill in the blank. And what they didn't learn was discipline in life. So discipline brings hope for our children. And the opposite is death. <laughs> that's a scary, to me, that's a scary proverb, but it's in God's word. So, and the last thing under temporal hope that I want to talk about is from Proverbs 13, 12. And I'm probably going to dig in a little bit here uh, with some, some illustrations from, from life. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. One more time. Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. This is where many of us live, is in the realm of deferred hope. Can you think of something in your life that you have hoped for and it's been deferred, it's been put off? That's where a lot of us live. And, and uh, the Bible addresses this. Uh, we've asked God for something and he hasn't granted it to us yet. And it makes us 
heart sick, according to the Proverbs. I was on a long journey the last of the week uh, before this got home on Monday. The last stop on my journey was in Cincinnati. And um, I wanted to see a young man there by the name of, of Jaden. And uh, Jaden, um, when he was born and his parents held him in their arms, he was born with a defective heart. And they had to do surgery on him immediately uh, in order to save his life. And the doctors told his parents that his heart would never last. And uh, they saved his life through surgery, but his parents, uh, Chris, Chris and Betty, uh, they had a lot of hope when this baby was born. And then immediately, they didn't know what to think. What, what had God done here? And I'm sure there were some days they felt hopeless with a baby that was this sick. He was a Make-A-Wish baby. You've heard of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Uh, he was one of those. Incredibly bright young man, talkative, uh, knows everything about almost everything, but he loves sports. He's never been able to play sports. Uh, if you saw him in school, you'd think, okay, he's a nerd, but he's one of the brightest, uh, happiest children I've ever known in some ways. He's, he's a little man. Uh, his heart just recently began to fail, probably two months ago. And they said, you're going to have to have a heart transplant. Uh, <laughs> they put him in the hospital. He was the most popular uh, uh, patient in the hospital, more visits than anybody would ever had at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Uh, but without a heart. Think about his parents, though, and think about Jaden and the area of hope. Their hope had been deferred until this occasion. So I wanted to read you just a few of the headlines of what has happened with Jaden, and I want you to think about hope this morning. Uh, there's a care page that uh, I can read, and they, he, every day they, they put something on this care page to talk about his journey. So the first title, and I'm not reading the whole thing, just a couple of them here. It says, It Is Here is the title. What that meant is that the heart had arrived. He'd been waiting and waiting, and a heart had arrived. And so there was great excitement, dare I say hope, but there was also emotion because somebody had died in order to supply that heart for Jaden. He was going to get a new heart, but somebody had tragedy in their life. Chris and Betty and Jaden had hope and fear. The next topic was he was he's in the operating room. It says he is in. And I'm going to read you what they wrote that day. At 11.20, they wheeled our chief, and they capital C, they called him the little chief because he uh, <laughs> seemed like he had everything under control in the hospital. Uh, they wheeled our, our chief into the surgery room. We had about 10 members of the church that came around his bed in his room before they took us down to pray for him. We posted a picture of him in the room on this site, after praying, we went out to the elevator 
and Betty and I were able to come down with him while everyone else went in another elevator. Jaden told us as we got off the elevator that he was thankful the heart came in. As we prepared to say goodbye, he started crying and thanked me and Betty as we hugged him and told him how much we loved him. We tried to hold it together as best we could, but cried in each other's arms as we turned the corner. We have known since before his birth that Jaden was in God's hands, and his entire life has been a walk of faith. That is never more evident than right now. And I put these words in, dare I say, hope, as they let him go and knew they would take his heart out and put another one in. It says, thank you for your outpouring of love and support. The next one that came in says, Jaden is doing great. And now I'm just giving you brief uh, reports. The, the procedure starts. The next one said, still in surgery, still connecting the heart. Hopefully, the next update will tell us they have started the heart. The next one says, praise report. The clamps are off the heart, and the heart is now pumping on its own. The next one says, it is done. We completely see God's hand on this timing. And then it says, first night with a new heart. Huh. Hope deferred, and then hope realized in this life, on this earth. But you know what? <laughs> it doesn't always go that way. We think about the family that gave the heart of their loved one and what had happened to their hope. Uh, you know, I don't have the answers for all these things. I really don't. But I know that Scripture does. And so I want to read some Scriptures to you this morning that talk about hope and hope deferred in the Scriptures. And uh, let me lay these Scriptures on you. They're, they're God's words, not mine. Hebrews chapter 11 Verse 1, and that's then verse 39. You may turn there or you can just listen to me. It says, now faith is the assurance. Hear that word? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's a Christian hope. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then if you read through all of these uh, great heroes of the faith, and you get to the last verse, verse 39, and it says, all of these heroes of the faith, though they were commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better. Huh. What was it that God provided that was better, according to the book of Hebrews? The whole book of Hebrews is that Jesus is the better way, and that Jesus is the best. And so these people that hoped for all these things when they were walking through their life, they didn't, some of them never experienced it on this side of glory. But God had a better plan for them. And his plan was in his son, Jesus Christ. And so their hope was deferred until after they went home to be with the Lord. And think about Job. Job, all the things that happened to Job in his life, and, and uh, here's what he says in, in Job 13 and verse 15. He says, though he slay me, though God slay me, though he kill me, yet will I hope in him. 
Wow. His wife told him, don't. She said, curse God and die. And yet Job said <laughs> those words. He says, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. So why would he still hope in him? Well, well he knew God. He said later, he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. That's the promise of the book of Job. <laughs> and if you read the book of Job and don't see those words, you've missed what, what it's pointing at. Uh, hear those words again. I know that my Redeemer liveth. How many of you this morning know that your Redeemer lives? That's hope. That's real hope. That's what we, we cling to. It may not happen in our lifetime, but I know that my Redeemer liveth <laughs> and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. That's our hope. Well, the weeping prophet and Kathy reminded me of this. This was a message that was supposed to have been preached a, a couple of weeks ago when we had our prayer Sunday. But Kathy reminded me of this a couple of weeks ago from the book of Lamentations, the weeping prophet Jeremiah. And this is from Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And listen, it goes on. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Is that true for you this morning? He is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. So I see the Lord's mercies. I do. And, and I see him in a number of places. And Tom Kirkland went to prison with me uh, two weeks ago, Danville Correctional Center. Tom, just, I'm putting you on the spot, but I promised that I would. Uh, hope in the prisons. Address that just for a minute. Something that brought hope. So I think, uh, I think the thing that impressed me the most about, about um, the whole prison experience is the way that they, the way that the guys that we were working with looked at, at their roles as fathers and, and what their desire was, and they were really looking to go out and never come back. I don't think there was a guy that I talked to that said, I'm coming back. They all said, I'm going out, I'm going out better than I came in. And that just, and it amazed me that, um, that they had the faith that God was going to be able to help them change, but they knew that they were powerless to change, and that God was going to Amen. So when, when you look at a prison, and there's times that this has happened to me, I'll be in the back of the prison and somebody else is teaching or preaching, and I'll look at a mass of men all in the same color, uh, uniforms, and sometimes it's overwhelming to me when I multiply it out through the country in every jail and every prison, and I think, oh, Lord, this is overwhelming. But then there are times when there's great hope, when I see what God is doing in the lives of individuals and how he changes lives. And, and we have people in here that could express that hope this morning, I know. And then I think of a place like Uganda. And in the earlier part of our lives, my life, Idi Amin was killing people randomly in Uganda. 
and, uh, and then it kind of disappeared from the scene for a while. But, you know, there's great hope in Uganda. And uh, there's three people sitting here this morning that were in Uganda, and I'm not going to name a name here, but I'm going to ask one of them to stand up and say something about hope in Uganda. God great. I mean, uh, sometimes we look at situations and they seem hopeless. And you, you have some situations in your life this morning that you have thought were hopeless. And uh, they're not. And, and even on this earth, we, we may yet see God do uh, what he's promised to do. And I, can, I could talk, and we were with a group last night of, of men that go to prison and minister, and people were sharing their stories and where they came from. And uh, some of the families uh, in that group were absolutely hopeless families. And yet God had stepped in and saved almost all the members of these families. And it's amazing what God does. And so this morning, I'm hoping to generate hope in you this morning. Uh, uh, and and uh, I pray that God will do that through his spirit. Um, praise the God of hope for what he does in this life. Uh, listen to the words, though, of Paul from 1 Corinthians 15, 19. You've heard these words. It says, If for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men to be pitied. So now we're going to transition. We have hope for this life, and we should have hope for this life. Sometimes it's deferred, but we can trust that God is going to complete what he's promised to do. But now let's transition from uh, temporal hope to hope that is timeless, eternal hope. Proverbs 14.32 says that the wicked is overthrown through his evil doing, but the righteous finds refuge in his death. Um, <laughs> if you read this in a different version, it talks about... Uh, the righteous has hope, confidence, and refuge in his death. Isn't that something that's amazing? Uh, think about funerals that you've been to. Uh, I've been to a number of funerals in my life, and have you ever been to a funeral that just seemed hopeless? Yeah, that's, that's awful uh, to think that people really might not have hope for eternity. But how many of you can remember a Christian funeral that you went to where you thought they might have to tie the casket down because people were just praising the Lord so much. 
You know, my, my grandmother's funeral was the first one like that that I remember. She had chosen all the songs, and they were all songs of rejoicing and praising the Lord. And so the Christian, you and I, brothers and sisters, we have t hope, uh, a timeless hope, an eternal hope because of, of the Lord. Uh, it says in the Psalms, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And that's true. That's very true. I hope you believe that this morning. Uh, we can say this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I praise the Lord for that. So hope even in death. And then hope is only in Christ. Colossians 1.27 says this, and you hear me say this all the time. Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> you know, Galatians 2.20 goes on and says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, Christ in you, the glory, uh, the hope of glory. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he... Christ is that something that was better, that was provided, that I talked about earlier. Uh, and uh, the saints of old could only see him from afar. And we can look back and see him, and we can see and recognize that he's in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I pray that you can say that and believe it. And here's the deal, though. It's not just Christ in me. He's alive and well, and, and we've trusted him for our salvation. But that hope that is in us is to be shared with the world, with our neighbors. He didn't die so we could just say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. See you later. He, he died, Christ uh, in you, the hope of glory, so that I can share it with other people. So, <laughs> uh, last week, I was driving home from North Carolina, headed for Cincinnati. About this time, I was stuck in traffic in North Carolina. But I had just been with a group of Vietnam veterans. And um, I've thought a lot about why I went to Vietnam and what the reasons were and what it meant in my life. I wasn't a believer at all. I was uh, running hard away from the Lord. And yet, when I do what I was able to do last Saturday, uh, I understand why God allowed me to go to Vietnam. So Friday night of last weekend, uh, it was a, what we call a mini reunion. And so Friday night we went out to dinner, then we went back to the motel, they had a room there, and people began to party. Uh, old people like me, and that's not a pretty picture. And, uh, um, and it, it got rowdy, and it got out of hand, and, and the language and the stories were uh, really bringing me down, and I left. I went back to my room, knowing that in the morning on Saturday I was going to give, uh, I was going to talk to these, the group, a, a little memorial service. And I was going to talk about David, uh, Jonathan and David and friendship. And I slept very poorly, maybe a couple of hours. But when I got up in the morning and I was on my knees and I was saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm feeling disgusted and dirty from that last night. And the Lord took me to a passage that I was reading and it, and it basically was talking about being salt and light. And it made it really clear to me that, okay, Lord, you want me to be straight up with these men 
about Christ in me, the hope of glory. You know what? I was able to do that, and God blessed in a mighty, mighty way. And he's still blessing. I'm still hearing from men that, you know, God spoke. So it's not hope in me just for me. It's hope to be shared, to be shared with your neighbors, to be shared with the people that God has put in your life and put you. You know, every one of you is in a special place in your life. Kathy's in a school. Ed's with the railroad, not for very long. And, and God has put you in a special place so that you can show the hope of glory that's in you for now and for the future. Timeless hope. Hope is also in his appearance. And uh, I want you to stand with me. I'm really going to read this as a benediction. Uh, so if you would stand with me. We are waiting for the appearance of our Lord and Savior. That's our hope, and that's a very real hope. We don't talk about that as much as we used to when I was a child, but uh, his, his coming's closer than it was. And so we need to remember uh, the appearance of our Lord. It's a purifying doctrine. It's to think about Jesus walking in these doors this morning. I would want to be as pure and holy as possible, so it's a purifying doctrine. So I'm going to be reading from Titus uh, chapter 2, this is a benediction, uh, verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly, godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us all from lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, our hope is in your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we as your people would share that hope with the people around us so that they may share in the hope of glory as well in this life and in the life to come. I pray that those of us that are discouraged and we have deferred hope, the thing hasn't happened yet, Lord, that we're looking for, I pray that we will trust you because of your goodness, Lord, your love for us, that you would send your son to die for us, Father. Help us to trust you because you're a trustworthy God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.